You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately. And I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. We're cultural observers. And of curious minds. Get ready for sisterly banter while we chat about fixations, learnings, and personal growth. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello and welcome back to OK Sis. Podcast. You forgot the podcast part. Oh, the po- the podcast i don't know about that one but hello sisters hello hello i am scout i am the older sister to mads i'm finding that that's most likely my main title in life but if you are new welcome to the sisterhood and if you are a sister we love you we see you we hear you we acknowledge you we recognize you all of the things wow i mean ditto I want to validate people. I want to validate people's emotions. I want to validate people's Mm -hmm. experiences. I want to make people feel less alone. I want them to feel safe at home. You know, I just want... At home in the sisterhood. I just want the peace for all. You know what I mean? Don't we know it. Don't we know it, Scout? I have a huge update. Oh. I'm wearing jeans inside the house... With no plans of going anywhere. No plans of exiting the house. Are they boyfriend jeans, mom jeans, or are we talking legit jeans? They are legit jeans. Mm. What what the fuck does legit jeans mean? Like, you know, you could wear jeans that are mom jeans or boyfriend jeans, and they're super baggy, so they're not uncomfortable. Or you could wear, like, skinny jeans, you know? No, no, no. We don't wear skinny jeans anymore, Scout. Why? Skinny jeans are out. Yeah, says who? The fucking Gen Zers? Yep. Good for them. Good for them. I'm going to continue with the skinny jeans. You know what? We are on the pulse because we wear middle parts. We don't do side parts. We were always on the pulse with that one. 
The only reason we don't do side parts is because we have naturally curly hair and it's very difficult for our hair to be in a side part. So even this if we true. wanted to participate in the trend, it wouldn't work. I know, but we are on the pulse now. Oh, I've always seen those TikToks and I was wondering which one was the Gen Z versus the millennial. Middle part is Gen Z. So we are on the pulse. Again, I will say it. We are on the pulse. Have you heard of this new word? Chugi. Okay, first of all, before I address that word that sounds like it came from a Teletubby, um, Mm -hmm. middle parts are just natural. Like, you can't say that's a trend. Like, who, how many people in the world actually do a side part that can pull that off? Oh, a lot. I've never seen it. Some people, it's like their, their shape of their face. Like, they need a side part. It's really unfortunate for those who need a side part. I am a Mm -hmm. middle part person through and through. And it'll never change. You know what? I did do a side part in high school when I started. When if someone else does my hair, sometimes when I straighten it, I used to ask for a side part because they could do it really well. But it's hard for me to do it myself. I looked good with the side part, actually. I'm gonna bring up some photos. Okay, what is chubby, chibi, chibalibi? What does that mean? It's called chuggy. Chuggy, 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 and. It basically means a basic bitch, a basic millennial bitch. It's the person who wears Uggs and loves pumpkin spice lattes and has signs in their home that says "Live, Laugh, Love." You know, I don't even like. I don't even. Anyone. I don't even associate that with a millennial. I just associate that with a basic girl in general. It originated from the millennial generation. That was not what I was a part of. Well, no, because Scout, guess what? Hmm. You're not chuggy. You're not. Thank God. God, I was worried the for only, a second. The only way that I subscribe to chugginess and to being Is a chug. pumpkin spice lattes no. and the Uggs. So that's two out of the three things that you mentioned. <laughs> so I think well, I would re- redefine I your identity like right now. Okay. Hello. Let me define myself. Eggnog. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't like pumpkin spice lattes. Two, um, the one thing I do subscribe to is um, The Office and Friends are apparently super chooky. Like watching oh, The Office and the Friends. Okay, so I was friends. listening to What Day Is It podcast and Jackie and Bailey were talking about this. And they were saying that yeah. The Office and Friends are super basic now. Yeah. And you know what? It's really I unfortunate. Think no, that's a PR nightmare. They're they're classic. There's a difference. There's a difference, people. Learn English. Yeah. Learn differences in words. Je- <laughs> learn the difference between classic and chuggy. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Also, yes, you're you're completely right. Uh, Gen Z has no idea what the fuck they're talking about. They don't understand comedic gold. Wow. I am. There is a war. There is a very clear divide in generations, and it's kind of. That's, I mean, I guess we did this to baby boomers, right? So, yeah. So that's the thing. It's like millennials are super butthurt about it. And like, we need to be okay. We need to like, l- like, we need to take it, you know? Okay. Um, Gen I Z mean, started it. Millennials are butthurt. So they're trying to be like, oh no, we're not. Like, just like what I just did about the office and feeling super um, attacked. Uh, but, you know, we need to just let it happen to us because the next generation are going to say to Gen Z, oh, remember when you guys were on TikTok shaking, twerking your butt butts and fucking each other, blah, blah, blah. That's what they're going to say to them. Okay, you know, I think that and what's happening. And wearing Crocs. Oh, my God. They're going to come for your Crocs, Gen Z. They're going to come for them. First of all, Crocs were millennials, so they stole no, back. back from our no, no, generation, no, no, which back. was terrible. But, you know, what I'm <laughs> sensing. Just a crime. 
here is, you know, they say when one is triggered, they should look at why one is triggered. And um, I'm not triggered or threatened at all by the Gen Z because you couldn't pay me to be that age again. So when I look at them, I say, oh, I am so sorry. You have your 20s that you must go through. And I'm exiting. So I'm good. I'm stoked. I'm true believe I'm good. Heard it here first. Uh, I'm true believe I'm <laughs> Luna, that's the do new remember, quote. Do you remember I'm what it is? True believe Chubby. Chuggy. Oh my god. Tabby, Tabby, Tally, Tabby. Luna, Tabby, Chubby, Tubby. Yes. Chubby. Precisely. Precisely. It's, like, it, it's right. kind of like Star Wars, you know? Like Chewbacca. No. It's like Chewbacca. Nope. Not in the slightest. Do you know what Chewbacca is? Yep. um, Yep, but not in the slightest. Okay. I'm unsure. Okay, moving on. Let's get into this episode because it's a really, really Well, first of all, I do have an announcement. Wait, wait, wait. wait, Stop it. How many announcements can you have? I mean, I just talked to you last night. The the jeans was a, um, you know, mini announcement. This is a larger announcement. This week, ladies, I was going to say ladies and gentlemen, but there's only one gentleman, Guy. Hi, Guy. Ladies, this Thursday, our book club pick episode will be out. We Hopefully, you have read Second First Impressions by Sally Thorne. If not, you have three days to do so, which is very possible because I read it in basically two sittings. And I am going to be speaking with Sally Thorne, which is where it all began, where all the uh, romance novel, my romance novel journey began with Miss Sally Thorne. So this is going to be a big one. Can't wait. In my calendar. Can't wait. Super stoked. In the cow. Make sure it's in the cow. Mostly it's in the cow for me because I got to upload that shit. So you got to upload it. All right. Let's get into this episode. We have we cannot waste any more time. It's honestly rude that we've wasted such um, precious amounts of time. Talking about true believies. Yep. Nope. That's still not how it's. Nope. That's not the word. We have the the just utmost chic, sophisticated lady on the podcast today her name is melanie masserin and she is the founder of gia which you probably seen on your feed because it's it's just absolutely chic and if you don't know what gia is it's a non-alcoholic aperitif she is basically bringing soberness into the collective consciousness as a cool thing to do not only just soberness, but just the bringing back the art of just because if you don't want to have an alcoholic drink does not mean that you cannot have something fancy or have that afternoon treat to yourself. So I've actually been drinking Gia. I have about five co- Gia, Gia cocktails a week, um, and I do it with uh, like carbonated water. I don't know what you call that, and uh, half a lime with some Gia. And it's just the best. I put it in a wine glass. Me and my husband have it. My husband's sober, so it's a nice way for us to enjoy something a little bit fancier. She is from France, and to be quite honest, I listened back to the beginning of the episode, and Mads and I sound like highly obnoxious Americans that are completely attacking her for her accent, but it's okay. No, it's okay. What are you attacking her? We were 
fawning. We were f- drooling over it. Yeah, I made her listen to me speak French. We had to oh go no. into our... In- oh, oh, no. Oh, yeah. You had to give the entire, entire history of our relationship to France, to our relationship <laughs> to French, to our relationship to our f- French cousins. I mean, it was like she literally doesn't talk for the Poor first Melanie. three minutes because Melanie. we're just like, Melanie, let us tell you everything that we have to do about the language French. We're so such annoying Americans. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty annoying. But she is such a doll. We have been oh, loving this. A, she was so patient with us. Yeah, we've been loving Gia from afar for the last, I think, like six or eight months, especially when quarantine yeah. hit. We really started drinking Gia. So I think you're going to love this product. You're going to love Melanie. You're going to love this interview. And we hope you enjoy, sisters. Enjoy. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA-grown, eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute, I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans 
jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS, O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Okay, first of all, your lovely accent. Where are you from, my love? I'm from France. Yeah, I was going to say, she's from France. How do you not know that? I mean, we got the chic oh, background. We got the cream sweater. We have the accent. We have the French, the, the French style. You know, so our grandmother speaks French. So does our dad. Um, so it was so funny because growing up, my grandmother would speak to my dad in French when she didn't want us to hear anything. So then when it came time for high school for me to choose a language, you know, everyone chose Spanish to, you know, because we're in California and I chose French and everyone was so confused. And I was like, no, I'm literally learning French so that my, I can know what my grandma is speaking to my dad. Yeah. The secret language. You never want a secret language in the family. I, I know. And how's your French? I now? took, I took French for a year in college and I actually learned a lot. Let me say something for you. Now. <laughs> oh God. I'm sure you get this all the time. Ready? Oh fuck. I forgot the word. My oh yeah, j'ai oublié beaucoup de mon français parce que je n'ai pas parlé avec oh ma grammaire. Okay. See, I'm no. Oh no, me and Oma would have full conversations. Like I think I'm good. I I can do it. I think you can do it too. This was so pretty th- good. For this was my second it. Yeah. So I I don't remember any French, which is just so sad because I, I took it for like five years. Like, it's just sad. It's the American school system. I blame it on that. But I would always say in class, because we weren't allowed to speak English, I would say, Como dit-on? Blah, 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 and I would just say the thing in English. So I could just be like, how do you say this in French? So that was my way of uh, sneaking around AP French in high school. That's a good hack. <laughs> Melanie, where are you located? I'm in LA right now. I just uh, got You are. Yeah. And how old were you when you moved to the States? I was 17, so I moved to the States for college and then um, fully manifested my mother's worst nightmare and never moved back to France. So I just turned 30, so it's been 13 years. Oh my God, and your whole wow. family, your whole family is in France still? Yeah, my siblings are in Paris and my parents are in Lyon. Oh my god! Oh my god! Actively... Wait, 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 Scott. What? Where's where's our uncle? Is it? Is he in Lyon? First of all, he's our cousin, oh. and he's uh, his oh. name is Leo. So I don't know. Oh, his Leo. name is Leo. That's probably. <laughs> but Sorry, we have try. we have cousins in France. I'm trying to relate, and it's like I'm the most American wait. that it gets. Yeah, Scott. I want to know why you actively chose to live in Los Angeles <laughs> versus Paris. Um, well. I 
I went to college and then I lived in New York for 10 years and I had like, you know, kind of built my career in the US. And as much as I love Paris, I think it's so different professionally. Like I always crave going back to France and I'm like every six months I'll get like really homesick and like suddenly book a flight there and then I get there and have the best time. And after four days, I'm like, nothing works here. I have to go back to America. And I think it's just so culturally so different, especially professionally. And so when I had this like awakening moment, I think it was like Saturn's return or something. And I was like, I woke up one morning, I was like, I have to leave New York. And I was working a bunch in LA and I thought, why not try it for a few months? And so I rented a friend's place for a few months and then I got totally stuck here. I love it here. I'm like thriving. You know what? I think before we get into current fixations, because we could jump into your story super quickly, I think that people underestimate the professional benefits that America brings. I think that people oftentimes romanticize living in Europe. A lot of the times our friends want to go to Israel and then they move there and they realize how difficult it is on an operations standpoint to get through their career. I find that, and that's something that I don't think a lot of people talk about, but I think the promise of opportunity in America is definitely alive and well. Yeah, it's so real. I mean, the fact that I was able to start my company so young and that there were all these really creative startups, like especially New York is such a hub for it. And I think, you know, it was a little bit of like jumping on their hamster wheel. But then, you know, I started working for Glossier and that was really fun and that was really exciting. And, and you know, before that I worked for Dig In, which was also a really exciting company. And so I... I don't know. I, I think that it's, I'm definitely someone who prioritizes like work is a huge part of my happiness right now, my identity too. And, um, and so I, I just, um, it didn't really outweigh, you know, the benefits, although I, I see the appeal, you know, of a, of a life in, in France, like a lot of my friends now have like one or two kids and they're, you know, from Lyon, you drive two hours, you're in the Alps to ski and you drive three or four hours and you're near the Mediterranean. And that's just a, an incredible lifestyle that, but that I feel like California somehow has brought like the best of both worlds for me because I can be in New York a week a month, not during the pandemic, but like in usual times. And I also can have like sunshine and tomatoes that taste like the sun growing in my garden year round. So California does have a very, I don't know, a romantic feel to it for sure. There's yeah. there's pockets of it. Like if you drive up the coast and go to Big Sur and go to Carmel and even even central California, the coast, there's just something so elegant about it. And I think Joan Didion really captures the essence so well of like what makes California so so just like culturally different than the rest of of the country, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think we should be our own country. I've said it all the time. Oh, God. Like, well, all right. Oh. I think California would be great. I think we're awesome. I just love California so much. It is, but you're right. I'm, like, the taxes are already savage, so we might as well, like, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so you. true. I mean, I'm, like, half joking. That wasn't, like, a serious political comment. But, you know, when you think about California, it's just... It, it has its own vibe, culture, and entity to it that I think is so distinct from the rest of the country. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get into career fixations because we're gonna we're gonna talk so much. I mean, you just like sort of dropped the bombshell that you are a Glossier alum, and just like I need to hear all about that as well. Um, okay, so let's do current fixations. Scal, why don't you start? Okay, so my current fixation this beautiful week is the Saffron and Sage Purify Hypoallergenic oil cleanser so 
Saffron and Sage is a holistic wellness community uh, space center, I guess you could call it here in San Diego, which I have spoken about on the podcast numerous times. They are responsible for my mental sanity. I go for cupping and acupuncture twice a month. Um, They have a a really beautiful gift shop where you can get these incredible decks of cards and crystals and essential oils. And they are also implementing, which I think is fucking brilliant, a healthcare system that brings in a Western and Eastern doctor to really holistically help diagnose you and help treat you through various autoimmune diseases, mental health stuff, whatever. And they created a skincare line. And I suffer from blackheads on the nose. And it has been something that has plagued me for years. I am a true victim to the blackhead. And my mother, every time she would see me, the first thing she would say is, you got to do something about those blackheads. And I said, head, I even if I go to a facialist and get them out, they are there two hours later. And so Mads introduced me, obviously, to the double cleanse situation, and I was using the brand she uses, but I wanted to support my Saffron and Sage community with their skincare line, and so I purchased their oil cleanser. It comes in a beautiful glass bottle, and I will never return to another oil cleanser. My blackheads, because of this one right here, it's clean beauty, all of the things, I have no blackheads on my face anymore like maybe two appear every now and then i was gonna say i'm gonna come up i'm gonna come up to you with like a microscope and see if i can it is oh it is my holy grail for blackheads and so i i gift this to friends for birthdays all the things it is and you can purchase it online in case you're not from san diego uh they do have an online shop so you're supporting local women-owned clean beauty and you're also getting rid of blackheads so it's just a win-win for all involved wow we love to see a product that works, you know? I mean, do we, you know, that's, why would we want a product that does it? Sometimes there's a lot of hype and then the products don't work, you know? So when you find something that like, I just, it's the best feeling ever. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay, Mads, what's yours? My current fixation, guys, this is going to be a different one for me. I'm going to say a mentality a philosophy, if you will, a mindset shift. And I know it's very cliche to say this, but it's all over TikTok and it has deeply resonated with me. I am now prioritizing making myself the main character. I am giving main character energy off into the world these days. And what do I mean by this? I mean, Posting things on the internet and not giving a shit how they perform, what people think, agonizing over over what, you know, what people's perception of me will be. I think we place so much mental energy and uh, expenditure on what other people care think about when they're probably not even looking at your post and thinking what you're thinking. So I implore everyone, and this is going to be homework of the week. Just post whatever the fuck you want and don't care about it. I mean, I just I the reason I bring this up is the other the other week I posted something and I I usually don't really care how I portray myself on the Internet because we have a podcast and uh, we're always vulnerable on the Internet. And I posted this video and I was like, oh, my God, people are going to think I'm weird. And I deleted it. And I was so disappointed with myself a little bit. I know it's such a small thing, but really having confidence in yourself and like owning some sort of authentic part of you. Like there's a reason you posted that initially. So just be true to that and um, follow it through. So I implore everyone, let's just post whatever we want and just be and just be the main character. 
that's what that's all i'm gonna say amen that's beautiful thank you okay melanie what is your current fixation okay so my current fixation is so i was just i just spent like a little over a month in Mexico City. That was my like end of my quarantine after um, I got my vaccine. And so I just got back to my house and actually my current fixation is just something that I already had and I just like found again. Um, and it's this kitchen appliance, my Thermomix, which um, I'm totally obsessed with. It's this like all-in-one appliance I grew up with. And um, I finally got one like in my adult life and it just kind of like does everything in once and it just like makes cooking so easy and it's just so fun to use and there's all these recipes loaded online and it tells you what to do and I was just like I got home and I was like wow like being home is where my Thermomix is and it's like such a like, Euro like 50 style thing but I was like oh, I just like I'm so happy I found my kitchen again and I've been making lunch for the team uh, with it and it's like it's great so um so thermomix yeah i'm like very like old school like kitchen lady and i was like i just don't need new things like i just love my my kitchen appliance that's like what i miss the most when i was away you know that is that's so true i always miss the things that i make for myself kind of consecutively during the day whenever I leave town and come back I'm so excited to see my pan where I saute my greens it's just a it's a reminder because you don't really have access to cook the way you have access to cook at your house it's just this reminder that you're home it's like really home like I made soup I prepped everything it was just like now we have like snacks for the whole week and um I don't know just like it just makes it so easy and I think it's just like my favorite thing that I own and and I realized like I had missed it (laughs) oh my god it's so true I love that I love I love like little trinkets that make make home feel home it's amazing Mm -hmm. okay Melanie we are so excited to talk to you because not only do you did you create one of the most like sought after brands last year, but there's it's very unique. So for those who don't know, you are the founder of Gia, which is a non-alcoholic aperitif uh, drink, if you will. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about what what is it and why non-alcoholic? And specifically, can you go into the culture behind an aperitif? Because I believe that that's not an American thing to say. So I would love to hear your perception and perspective on that. Of course. So um, we'll start with that, actually. Aperitif, um, it comes from the Latin verb aperire, which means to open. And it's basically, um, it can... It, it's basically either the drink, the aperitif, which is a drink that you would have before dinner to open your appetite, or apéro is this kind of like the French equivalent of like happy hour. So it's at like five to seven p.m. You have little snacks um, like olives or you know like anchovies and oil, and you basically have a drink to kind of transition you from work into play and that's like a sort of every night thing in the summer um and it's a really special moment that that designates this time before dinner that's um obviously a big part of how i grew up and a big part of um i guess my culture and so why non-alcoholic is like it was never an option for me to create an alcoholic drink because the idea really came from like years of being super frustrated because I didn't drink and I felt like as a result, I didn't belong. Um, And I cook a lot and I host a lot. Like I'm definitely someone who kind of 
kept a little bit of my European lifestyle. Like in New York, it would be, you know, I would always have dinner parties if I have, if I had free time and I love a home cooked meal. And, and I always felt like, even if there were like 15 people like in my living room eating the food that I had made, I felt like an outsider because I wasn't drinking. And I started to realize um, the past few years that if I went out to dinner at a restaurant and I said, oh, actually I'm, I'm not going to drink like very often, either there was another person at the table that would opt out or like, it was like, it would like give the confidence to someone else to opt out. And that made me realize like, wow, there's maybe something there. It seems like things are changing a little bit. And, and what I hope is that, you know, in a few years, like pushing a drink on someone will be like pushing a cigarette on someone, i.e. like not a thing at all. But, but right now it's like, there's this pressure to drink and there is this, all these like constructs around like what it means to be drinking and you're a wine mom or you're you know it's like you're like depressed you're gonna have a drink or you're feeling a certain way so you're gonna have a martini at the bar and I'm just kind of like wait you can also just like have a gear and be yourself and that's cool too you know so it was really about like making a drink that would make you belong in like not it's like that feeling when you don't need a drink basically so that was yeah it's so interesting to me that you have that story because as I'm entering, I'll be 30 this year, I feel as if I'm going through a shift where a lot of my social interactions, of course, mostly pre-COVID, but now that the world is opening up a little bit more, a lot of my social interactions are one-on-one or small dinner parties where the lexicon is, hey, let's meet up for a glass of wine. And so I started recognizing last year as the pandemic hit and my alcohol in, you know, in uh, consumption went up, I started realizing just how ingrained alcohol is in all of our interactions. And I realized that even some of my best friends, we don't really get together without a glass of wine. And there's something really beautiful about having a glass of wine with your girlfriend. I, it's a very memorable, special moment for me. But the fact that it's just this go-to, the fact that it's just this automatic, the fact that it's never really questioned. I realized how many times I was having meals, sometimes even lunch with a client, with a friend, and it was just this automatic, let's get a drink. And I stopped to really think about it and think, do I want to have a drink right now? Will that increase my day? Is this the right moment? Am I in the right mood? And so I remember going to lunch with a client and saying, I'm going to decline having a drink if other people do, just because I want to be mindful that I'm having a full day. And that's not really what I want to do right now at 1230 in the afternoon, even if I am overlooking Malibu and it's a beautiful day. And for some reason, that felt so radical in my mind, just because it showed me how ingrained this specific um, habit is a part of all of our social interactions. And my husband is coming up on 10 years sober. So when we had ghee, I was making us really nice. I got these like tonics or whatever. I don't know, but I was making fun things. I had the lime. I followed one of your recipes and we were able to have a really beautiful drink because I believe I have that same mentality that at the end of the day, I like something kind of fancy to transition. So I'll either make a mock or an aperitif with ghee or I'll do a kombucha. So there's something really special about not only questioning that automatic habit, but then providing us an alternative to still engage in that beautiful transitional ritual. I was going to say something that I noticed in myself over quarantine was 
because I didn't have like a separation between work and home life, I ended up drinking so that it could separate it. There was like that moment like, okay, now I get to have a glass of wine and therefore like work is done. And it was a very distinct um, uh, distinction between these two lives. And I I think a lot, a lot of people during the pandemic um, can relate to this. So for me, Gia is this like, yeah, it's a transition. It's a ritual. It's something that you can do that doesn't give, I I mean, yeah, I'm the hangovers. It's like, let's, let's just not anymore. Let's, let's just. I have a question about the actual products. Um, And I wasn't sure when I was, when I have it, how long does it last by the time you open it? Because you put it in the fridge. How quickly do you have to drink that? Because it is really just kind of this additional taste into another, you know, into sparkling water, et cetera. Yeah. Um, You have about four weeks, so you don't even have to refrigerate it, but it is it's just better if you do because uh, it preserves the extracts better. Um, but you have four weeks. It doesn't really go bad. We just think um, it's just better if it's like it will lose its bitter taste. So I would recommend like about a month. So it's actually like, you know, much longer than like a bottle of wine. There's about 10, ten servings in it. Uh, but it, it doesn't last that long around my house. But yeah. And you you totally nailed it. I think we always say like, yeah, as a transition drink. And, and, um, and I think it's really about that ritual and making something for yourself. And I love that you think it's fancy but the idea and also what i love about aperitif is that they're specifically meant to not be fancy like i don't want to make an elaborate cocktail you can just do half gear half your favorite bubbles whether it's like a tonic or sparkling water and here you go you have your you know you have your drink uh, and it sort of takes the intimidation out of making a cocktail because it's like a lot of people don't know how to make negroni or, or or something like that and what i like about those bitter drinks like a Campari soda or, or, you know, those spritzes is that they're meant to be very, um, they're not meant to be intimidated. You can make them very nonchalantly and, and like yeah. fix yourself a really nice like moments without being too serious about it. And I think like cocktails in general are just, they're an art form, right? Like crafting a cocktail and actually building this, it's an experience have, and I know it might be different over the pandemic, but, um, is Gia sold at bars? Like, do you guys have bars that use the 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 product? Because I can just see, I can already tell you like five different LA bars that would just die over this. Tell me for sure. So okay. bars <laughs> like not open really this year, and we've had to launch our entire strategy for Gia was like. I want to launch it offline. I don't want to look at my phone so much and I want to be in restaurants and I want people to be able to go out and not, I never want to hear like, oh, I don't want to go out because I don't want to drink again. Cause I'm like, those things are not related, but they are related in the world that we live in or pre-pandemic world that we lived in. So we've obviously had to pivot and launch the company online uh, on Instagram, my actual nightmare. And it turned <laughs> out great. So we're, we're, we're like, you know, so it's, it's all good, but, but I, I'm so looking forward to it being in bars right now. We're in 140 stockists, but they're mainly retail because okay. on premise is sort of just starting to reopen. Uh, we're in a bunch of restaurants though. So already you can go, you know, to dinner in LA and New York. And uh, we have a number of them in like Philly and Chicago and you know, they're all on our site. We have 140 stockists. And and I think it's like, it's so fun to hear people saying, like, I saw Gia on the menu and I ordered it. And because I opted out, like all my friends also opted out. And then we get, you know, text messages from the chefs there. And they're like, wow, this whole table came in. Everyone had Gia. And I just love that. Cause it's like, it's a drink for sharing. So. Oh, 
a drink for sharing. I love that. So you just said that your worst nightmare was launching a brand on Instagram, but you do it fucking well. Yeah, I was gonna say, Melody. Let's let's step back. First of all. You did mention that you're a Glossier alum, so you know the power of branding. You understand the power of marketing and millennial marketing specifically. So talk to us about the brand because it's fucking gorgeous. And then like all the unboxing experience, all of the little accoutrements and the and the the instructions and the just the tone of voice. You feel like it's a friend. You feel very it included. Comes with coasters. Comes with, it comes with coasters. Everything is just it comes thought with, of uh, like a recipe manual. I mean, it's it's delightful. So you you know the power of branding. So talk to us kind of what what, what was creating that world like? Yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you so much. I'm like I have I guess this is only audio, but I have like a big smile on my face cuz I love <laughs> it when people recognize kind of like the work that we put into it. I mean, we're a team of 3, so it's like this is all very personal. Oh yeah, wait. Oh, so, um Riley is on your team, right? Riley is my ride or die. Riley um, so I grew up with Riley in San Diego and she worked at Glossier and then I'm probably sure that's how you guys connected. Yeah. But um, she was the one that first reached out to us and she was like, oh, my God, Melody wants to be on OKCS. Okay I was like, yes, love this. Love all the like connections. Yeah. But wow, I didn't know it was only three of you. It's it's only three of us and Riley. I mean, Riley was hired on March 10th, 2020 to do restaurant sales. So she's had to also pivot. And wow. I was like, you still have a job. You're just going to do everything else. And I was like, okay, I'm down. Like we used to know each other at Gossier and, you know, she was so great. She helped open Gossier LA and I just like really trust her and we've pretty much been like quarantine mates. So um, yeah, I big, big, big shout out to Riley um, and, and, um, and all the other 858 numbers that have come through to help us this year's <laughs> love that the brand was uh was so it, the brand was so fun to build because i think i had you know over the past 10 years i had always kind of like slowly been transitioning from more of a business background to a more creative background first doing business in a slightly more creative environment and then really um taking a bit more creative ownership in my work at Glossier where I you know I had a lot of input on the design of the stores and the concept and where they went and really thinking through that customer experience and I think one of the things that Glossier really teaches you is that attention to detail and it's like how do you make the customer feel really comfortable I think it's like really important to make things not transactional and and even more in a year like last year, it's like everybody needed comfort. And like, this is not an essential drink. It's a non-alcoholic aperitif. This is really niche, you know? But if you're going to be making people feel like this drink makes them belong as opposed to, you know, alcohol, which has been like marketed to us for the past decades, it's like being the life of the party, it has to be loud and it has to be fun. And so I was like, what are all of the offline touch points, the things that you can't replicate on Instagram and how do we make that you know, come through in our packaging. And so it was like, who are the chefs that we really love and can they help us make recipes? And so I reached out to Camille Becerra and all the chefs that I really admired. And, you know, most of them said yes and they helped with our recipe book. And then we really wanted to like, you know, have really like RT photography and and I say RT, but I mean like there's this level of like glam because it's like, I think you like, you make a guia and you feel like a million bucks and you add like two edible flowers to it and that's it. You know, work is over. Anything can happen. We make these playlists and I'm like, the number of times where we're like, we're feeling down last year and I was like, let's put on a good song. And it was like dance party in the guia kitchen. And that was like, it just brings you back. And it's those moments where you don't actually need a drink. You are your own, you know, like 
upbeat fuel. And so we're just about like channeling those moments. And so the colors are the colors of the Mediterranean. There's a, there's the like purpley color of our drink and there's the yellow of the sun and there's all the blues of the sea and the kind of like ultimate like recharge, you know, nature is always the inspiration. And then a lot of it was like, I, I studied, I studied design a little bit in school and then you know over the course of my life I just love design and I was like who are the people that were kind of creating beautiful things just because but you know it looked a little bit weird at first and then it just became a thing and it was like all this postmodern inspiration in Memphis design where it's like very extra very colorful extremely playful it's like that's the brand I want to follow that's the brand like it has to make you smile you know if anything and, and not be too serious like we're a drink doesn't matter um so we you know it it, we really wanted it to be to make people feel special like I feel like in we launched in June when we were supposed to launch in April in restaurants only and we were like how can we make people feel special getting a box at your doorstep in those times like was had carried so much more value than in regular times because it was like you were alone at home people were scared and and so we're like let's make people feel really special let's bring the bar to them so you have the coasters you have the recipe book you have a drink that doesn't make you hungover and you know anxious the following day which is kind of part of the reason why I stopped drinking is I was like I feel horrible the day after um is it just me and it's like oh it's everyone okay <laughs> but somehow people just keep doing it we keep doing it yeah. which is oy. it's weird I have two glasses of wine and it's really like really annoying when people talk to me before 10 30 you know and and I was like oh you too okay well I, I'm out on that I'm fully out on feeling like this the day after so so we wanted yeah to be loud and, and expressive and really happy and really optimistic even in kind of the darkest year and and I think people really um really connected with that because it was what we need a little break yeah there's so much every time I look at the brand I see something different branding wise I don't know why but I feel like I'm probably gonna say this wrong but there's a lot of like Toulouse Lautrec inspiration there's a lot of Art Deco there's a lot of vintage like 60s mod girls I can see where you know and so it, there's just all these aspects and then it's so beautifully brought into the millennial space into the more uh, I guess modern today kind of space it's just a really beautiful collage of so many different things that I see when I look at it but you're so right when when I got my package with it I was so excited and I don't think you know there's so many non-alcoholic beverages right we we drink them all day long different ones but for some reason when I got this it was a beautiful bottle it had beautiful messaging as you said it had the experience of the coasters the recipe book and I got so excited to also share that moment with my husband since he doesn't drink creating something special for the two of us that wasn't just a bottle of kombucha or coconut water, but really making it feel elevated. And I know you said aperitifs aren't supposed to be fancy, but believe me, in America they sound really freaking fancy. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, no. it was, it was so nice, and it, it felt, it felt special. It it didn't feel like another thing I was drinking. It felt like a very monu, like a monumental thing. And I just was thinking, you know, when we have events and things since my husband is sober, this is going to be at the bar. Like this is going to be an option at the bar for people. Yeah. But I also love that because it's like, I mean, obviously I'm super biased. Like he is my child and it's like 99% of what I think about. But I'm like, it's really thoughtful to have a non-alcoholic option if you're hosting. Like I was, I was always the host, but I feel like, you know, it's like you go to an event like in New York and it's like, sometimes if you're, 
there's only two options at the bar and it's like cocktails. And if you get a cocktail, it's in the glass. And if you get a water, you get the water bottle. And I'm just like, I want to be on the reverse of that where it's like extra thoughtful and you can go to the bar and have this really special non-alcoholic option. And, and I hope that that's happening. Like in the UK where drinking is so ingrained in the culture is like 55% of uh, bars and restaurants now have non-alcoholic options on the menu. So I do feel like that trend is coming. It's probably going to take a few years, but um, and drink patronage is really real. Like in New York, I remember when I lived there, there was a, rest, a Mexican restaurant called Atla that had all these agua frescas because in Mexico, they're also really popular. And I used to go there all the time because I felt like I could order this like really delicious Palo Santo drink without feeling like I wasn't partaking, you know? It's so true. It's part of the fabric of of how we interact and socialize. It's, it's yeah. so true. I do want to ask about the ingredients. So is there something that like makes you feel a little like a little something something or is it just is it just this taste that kind of maybe mentally makes you feel like you're drinking I don't know but there feels like it's something so there isn't um yeah designed for taste and not function um and and that's a question we get a lot it's like what does it do to you and we were not like i think a lot of people do that very well um kin and others like they're really focused on on you know other states and getting you there without the booze and the toxic ingredients and and so that's you know they do that really well for us it was really about like the flavors so it was all about this first drink for me was about preparing your palate for a good meal it's that bitter drink now gia is like 100 juices and extracts um so as a result there's functional benefits to it like for instance there's a, a single serving has a functional dose of lemon balm which like is just really good for your stress system uh and so if you have like three or four you'll feel a little bit calm cold collected but it's never going to be something that's going to prevent you from like driving or make you drowsy or sleep or whatever it's like it's more like you'll feel like I don't know, like just like very good into your being and very relaxed, but kind of like awake. There's like orange peel, which is, you know, a bit of an energizer. Um, so, but it wasn't designed for that. Got it. And then what is your favorite way to have it? What is like, you don't need to like say the whole recipe, but what is like your favorite way to craft a Gia cocktail? Yeah. So, or do I you even ch- call it cocktail or do you guys like to call it mocktails? Or not mm, anything. I prefer cocktail. I think okay. mocktail, like, mocktail implies something that's really sweet. And m- this my is true. Very bitter. So I love a bitter. And also, I think bitter is an acquired taste. And at this point, I've had so much gia that it's just like my taste buds are totally shot. Um, yeah. So- before wait, before you answer, that is actually something I really did want to bring up. Is that I think the reason I have had a negative connotation with mocktails is because I think like um, virgin pina colada. That's what I think when I think of like, mocktail. Why? to order virgin pina colada no like sos you know no 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 no. like mocktail has a joke in the name who wants that it's like the kids menu and it's It's like so true you just don't want that so we really wanted a drink that was and i think for that reason it's unapologetically bitter like i don't even try to put sugar in it yeah and a lot of people like they try it and they're like that is a bitter drink but i so i like mine bitter where i do half yeah half sparkling water okay i would recommend and then whatever herb i have you know on deck like right now i have shizo in my fridge so i've been drinking that this week mint is also great rosemary a sprig of something to make you feel fancy um i think for most people um 
Gia, one part Gia, two part ginger beer, or one part Gia, two part kombucha, or one part Gia, two part something bubbly that's maybe a little bit sweeter, like a tonic. Sample of, you know, awkward tonic is really good and a little smoky. That's really good. I'm okay. actually working on kind of this perfect spritz, which is a better maybe entry into the product. So we're going to be launching cans in, the, in a month. <gasps> oh! Um, for picnics and for beach and for just sticking with you and I was the most reluctant to cans because I don't know I just feel like cans are just they're not very European they're not as chic and my team was like I think we need to put them in the can make them really portable and it can be that perfect spritz ready to drink and so I said okay you know what let's go with cans and I've had samples in my fridge and I've been like crushing them so I feel like they're gonna be they're 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 gonna work I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the the first consumer for that because I I'm just so impatient I think that's why like wine for me it's just it's just so easy so it's like if it is I know it is very American but like I do think that the can game is is veering into more of a acceptable chic type of place i mean i yeah i love bringing canned drinks to the beach and just having it on a go so that's that's gonna be stellar yeah. and the way you guys are gonna brand it i'm not even worried yeah i'm not even worried um scout did you have a question i was gonna say i'm not a can girl but i will drink i will drink <laughs> i will drink Gia in a can, a can girl <laughs> I'm not a can girl at all, but I literally would have those in my fridge 100% ready to go to the boat, to the beach, whatever. That's perfect. And I think that bringing them into the can space will allow you to infiltrate more of that mainstream mission in that people now have a non-alcoholic beverage but still feel a part of the you know, community, the party, whatever it might be. I think that the cans, especially in America, is a perfect way to to kind of get that mission across. Yeah. I have one question, and this is, I hope this doesn't offend you. No. Can you drink Gia with alcohol? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't offend me at all. It's actually okay. a better mixer. <laughs> um, it's, it's a better mixer, and, you know, I think generally, like, while I don't participate in like alcohol drinking myself like I admire the craft um and I actually my dream is to open an aperitivo bar um that would have um cocktails that would actually be sorted with instead of saying like alcoholic non-alcoholic which feels so binary is you would actually have these like amazingly crafted cocktails that wouldn't be too sweet and you could choose zero four eight percent alcohol which is kind of like all of oh my god Melanie, you're giving away the. We need to. We need to. We need to. Um, brand. Uh, what is this called? Like, uh, get a. What is it called? We get an NDA. Yeah, I was gonna we say we need like, a license legally. Legally, everybody who is listening to this has agreed to the NDA on yeah. this wonderful it's idea. NDA. I feel like. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna get in trouble for saying that. No, you're it's fine. fine. Um, it, and it would be like then you can kind of choose like how much of your you know how influenced you want to be like we always say yes like over the influence that's our tagline so it's like you can choose and and it's it's a better mixer and it makes for a very complex drink like a you know gia soda and splash of mezcal is delicious and then Mm. it's also um yeah i think it's just it creates low abv in general which is good because then you can really kind of last through the night do you know how many times I've asked waiters, do you have a half glass option? Because I don't want a full glass, but I would love a crisp Sauvignon Blanc right now just for the taste. Really just for the taste. I don't really feel like getting impaired right now. And they're like, no, you have to order the full thing. So I think that's so genius, especially because people's tolerance levels are so different, right? So 
you know, the difference between having a beer and a glass of wine really changes the state of me. And so I think that having that option is not only going to introduce this idea or this thoughtful idea of how much do I want to consume right now? Do I want to consume right now? But it provides a level instead of basically saying, hey, let's cut off alcohol. Let's just think more mindfully about the way we consume it. For sure. Amazing. I love this. Okay, Mads, should we ask our last favorite question? Yes. Okay. So we ask everyone who comes on OKSIS at the end, if you could brag about one thing and don't be humble, what would you brag about? Um, I think I'm the best travel planner I know. You're the best travel planner? Oh. Yeah. Wow, yeah. You have I'm to the best travel planner I know. Like, that's like, it's... It's a humble brag, but I, I think it's like actually a skill I give to all my friends. Like, I'm just like the best person I know at planning a trip. It's like a thing. Like I can figure out all the like underground places and all the best street food. And like for my best friend's 35th birthday, I planned this like crazy trip to Japan. I had never been there and, and put this PDF together with like the travel itinerary. And like, I've done it for my family before. Where they don't know until the day before where we're going, but they get a packing list. And like, I have all these like Google maps for every city that will happen share with everyone i just put a little guide to mexico city on my instagram because so many people were asking me like i truly think like i'm the best travel planner i know melanie so i'm shaking I'm, <laughs> melanie i'm freaking out because guess what i'm developing an app that essentially houses all of your travel recommendations in one place that will replace nice. google maps but it'll be like a social network so you saying this to me like my heart skips a beat because these are the type of people I connect with because I'm exactly you as well like I have tons of recommendations everyone's always asking me where to go when I go to a place and it's just the most disjointed experience to like send them all my google maps and my spreadsheets whereas I'm developing an app called camber so I'm gonna need I'm gonna need all your recs and we're gonna put it on there you're gonna love it it's like it's very chic branding and you're gonna love it I'm so excited. Oh, you can even have a you can have a Gia profile where yes. you add all of the restaurants that Gia's in for people to go visit. Look at that. Just cross pollination, cross promotion. We love this. it. We love it. Yeah. That's that's a really good humble brag because I suck at that so much. Um and traveling with Mads is one, a delight because I know that I'm going to go to great places, but two, quite stressful because she's very fucking strict on the itinerary. But that's a story. <laughs> I have for to do, time. yeah, I have to do so much research. I like, yeah, I'm like you. I find the best yeah. of the best underground, coolest spots. That's when I said I can already, because I was just. I mean, there's another conversation. I was just developing like our LA list for Camber and. I just like was coming up with all of these amazing bars that are just not the typical bars that you would think of when you think of LA. And so that's why when I said that I could imagine Gia in so many bars, I'm going to send you this list and then invite you to yeah. camper so you can try it out. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's like a really good like catalyst for my OCD, which yeah. is sometimes like a little overpowering. And I'm like, oh no, I make like this great list. And I mean, I have I have friends in Mexico City that were like, why you made me rediscover the city? You know, I took them to cooking classes and like a bunch of stuff. And it's not they're signed up for the cooking class for the rest of the spring. Like it's really fun. So oh, I love that. Oh, my heart is so warm. Oh, <laughs> thank okay, you. Okay, Melanie, let fun. everybody know where they can find you, Gia, everything. Gia is drinking. Gia.com uh, and also 140 stockists, which are on our site. And I highly encourage everyone to support our stockists because they need it the most right now. Uh, and I'm 
at Melanie Masserin on Instagram, but it's not as interesting as Kia and I do Kia Instagram anyway. So no, if you want, if you want like French chic vibes, head over to Melanie's personal Instagram. Uh, but thank you so much for being here. This was so delightful. We are huge proponents of Gia. We are your number one champion. So we're so excited to see everything that, that comes oh, about for you all. You. I'll send you samples of our Ken. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. hundred percent. And sisters, you can follow us on Instagram at OKSIS podcast. Thank we you. We love you. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.